Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We begin a fun journey today. For the next few days, I'm going to be on board Icon of the Seas, the newest Royal Caribbean cruise ship, and I cannot wait to come back and tell you about all of that. Of course, me being away means no live show, and that means we are pre-recorded. Now, the one thing I do take really seriously, and I probably even talk more about this than I should, is that when we can't be here live, it's really important to me that we do a good job, that we take good use of your time, and we create something that feels as much like a normal show as it possibly could. Now, obviously, what's weird is is we're almost into dadgum February, it seems, and yet still you've had news flying fast and furious the last few days. No doubt something's going to break and something's going to happen while I'm gone. You can almost uh, certainly assume that's going to be the case. And if it does, the other folks around Dog Nation will be more than happy to sort of step in and fill the void that I would try to fill if I was here. But pushing that aside, given the landscape as we understand it with Georgia football, we still think we're in a position to have a pretty fun Georgia conversation. I want to begin this way, sort of a specific reason for starting this week's worth of shows in, in this manner. We know right now that Georgia is sort of the preseason number one. If you care about way too early top 25s, we always have. Whether Georgia's been at the top or not, we just like the early off-season chatter that goes on. We think that's really fun. And one of the things we've done the last few days, going back probably, what, about two weeks worth of time here on the show, is talk about some of the concerns we perhaps have that could stand in the way of Georgia having that kind of national championship success. In fact, we're going to invite some of our guests to be a part of that conversation this week. More on that coming up in a moment. But to also kind of flip the coin over and discuss the other side of this, which if you're a Georgia fan kind of already starting to try to make sense of what 2024 is going to look like, you know, I think you've got a lot of reasons to be really excited about Georgia and perhaps even more so than sometimes when Georgia's kind of mentioned near the top and in the Kirby Smart era, obviously more often than not. That seems to be where George is discussed to begin the season. So here's what I want to do. I've been giving you some concerns, and over the course of the last few weeks, you've heard me mention those three things. Replacing Brock Bowers, not easy. Need to rebuild the, the, the defensive line and kind of replenish that with great elite talent. We're going to talk more about that here this week some. Uh, you know, the idea of a schedule that's on paper more difficult than anything that George has played probably in the program's history. All of those are real and legitimate concerns is Georgia tries to get back to the national championship business here in 2024. But on the flip side of that, when you look at Georgia compared to other championship contenders right now, I believe there are probably, I think, three things that stand out with Georgia, maybe more so than anything else. And so now the ultimate list may be like nine things, but we're going to just sort of pick out three things right now that we think could stand out and give Georgia a chance to really be head and shoulders above even the other teams that sort of think of themselves as national championship contenders. Let me start with this. I think first and foremost, it begins with the quarterback position. I think that Georgia finds itself in a really interesting spot with Carson Beck coming back, coming back on the heels of having such great success. And by the way, the quarterback before him, Stetson Bennett, also having such great success too. He was a Heisman finalist. So what you basically have right now is is that Georgia's last two starting quarterbacks have been Heisman finalists. In the case of Carson Beck, Beck's like seven and a half to one to win the award this year. Now, admittedly, the low odds, you know, Heisman person at this portion of the year ultimately usually ends up not winning the award. But pushing that aside, 
it, it gives you an idea of the category that Beck is in, the fact that he is getting so much of that discussion here right now. And Beck returning as kind of a Heisman Trophy type guy, a guy who could play his way into the front end of the upcoming NFL draft in 2025, this is a little bit of a distinction that even previous Georgia teams have not always had. To have this much of an advantage at the quarterback position in comparison to the other teams that you're competing with, this is just one of those things that really sets Georgia apart, especially when you think about the degree of motivation that Carson Beck is also dealing with as well. In fact, let's go back to Miami in December when Carson was speaking publicly for the first time about that decision to return from Georgia, return to Georgia. He talks about the feeling he has for the program. You love that. But it's the specific motivation that he mentions that probably energizes you more than anything else. Carson, from back in Miami, right before that Orange Bowl game against Florida State, making it very clear, he thinks he's got unfinished business back in Georgia here for 2024. You'll love this. You've heard it before, but let's hear it again, Carson, back. The biggest thing for me was um, obviously coming back, uh, playing with the guys, uh, obviously the camaraderie that we have in the locker room. I mean, that's a huge part, and it's hard to, like, just leave that, you know. Um, I feel like the chemistry that we have, the standard that we've set, um, a lot of those things really led me to coming back and, you know, wanting to do this again, you know, with these players around me. Is there an unfinished business notion of, of wanting to come back and, and get to the playoff, win a national championship next year? Did that factor into the decision? I mean, that's all, I feel like that's always part of it. Um, I feel like if we hadn't have lost that game, maybe things would be different. But, um, <laughs> Obviously, that's the way that things panned out, and mentally, that definitely had a, um, an effect on my decision. How much do you love that level of motivation from Carson Beck? Openly admitting, hey, if we beat Alabama, if we made the playoff, and went on to go for 3-23 and 23 and win the national championship, maybe I'm making a different decision right now. But ultimately, that's not how it worked out, and that was to the loss of the 2023 team because it fell short of its end-of-season goals. But boy, what a gain that is for 2024. A quarterback like Beck, who could be among the best, Heisman Trophy-type guy, early first-round pick-type guy, coming back to show everybody how good he is, impressing those NFL scouts, and taking Georgia to great team success on the way. You love that if you're a Georgia fan. But admittedly, you know Georgia with Beck won't be the only team in America that has the best quarterback in the country this year. In fact, in a couple of the matchups that we'll see, you know, Carson Beck battling here this year, presumed starter at Alabama, Jalen Milrow. You know, Milrow's mentioned Heisman odds-wise, you know, pretty similar to where Carson Beck is. That'll be kind of a big-time quarterback battle. Uh, you look at Quinn Ewers, much like Beck, making the decision to return for 2024 with the idea of impressing NFL draft scouts. A guy like Ewers is going to get plenty of attention here this year. So while Beck can be a real differentiator for Georgia, there are other quarterbacks who sort of vie for that same spot. So with that in mind, when you think about an even bigger advantage for Georgia compared to most of their contending teams, perhaps even more so than quarterback, that's where the Georgia offensive line comes into play. And you've heard me mention this before, but I still don't know that this fully gets all the attention it possibly you know should get about just how good Georgia has done at collecting offensive line talents and how much of a rarity that is in comparison to other programs that are, frankly, in most years, just doing what they can to recruit, uh, you know, guys, and then desperate to go into the transfer portal to sort of fill out the starting ranks. Most teams are on a pretty regular basis trying to play catch up with the offensive line in a way that Georgia is just simply not forced to do. Georgia able to build ahead. 
And so when you got guys like, you know, Micah Morris, Dylan Fairchild, who we saw waiting the wings, getting their chance to play, but also kind of waiting the wings, you're looking there, you're like, hey, these two guys, twin pillars of the guard positions, they're sort of next men up for Georgia in 2024. But then lo and behold, Xavier Truss announces he's returning, maybe an offensive tackle, but can play guard. That's a big deal. Tate Ratlich coming back for 2024. That's a guy who would have been an NFL prospect, and yet he's coming back to Georgia for one more run at it. So when you've got the experience of a, uh, of a Ratledge and a, and a trust coming back to go along with, you know, a guy like Ernest Green, who we're going to talk about here this week as someone who really may be about to take that next step and emerge as a true star type player, uh, a well-known household name type player, all of a sudden this Georgia offensive line has the kind of beef, the kind of depth that almost no team in the country is able to match. In fact, I mentioned Dylan Fairchild a little earlier. You know, way back at the beginning of the season or near the beginning of the 2023 season, Fairchild, who was at that point in time kind of just now getting his moment, was talking about what he sees when he looks around the offensive line, the kind of depth that he said he saw then was on full display for almost everyone to see throughout most of the 2023 season. And it is a reminder of what can also be in store for 2024 there as well. This is Fairchild from last fall. Very. I mean, we got we got plenty of guys um, that could play, you know, I mean, we got so many guys that are deserving to play, and um, you know, we got a we got a deep O line. Deep O line, indeed. In fact, I'll say it in simple terms: there is no team in America who has more game-ready, high-level, talented offensive linemen than Georgia does. There are other good offensive lines. Uh, Georgia still has one, Joe Moore Award in this era, which is sort of a strange thing. But while there may be other good offensive lines in, ter- in terms of the total number of elite game-ready offensive linemen that Georgia can put into a game. No one simply has more of those than Georgia does. It could be the greatest differentiator of all for this Georgia team. Let me, however, give you one more point, though, before we uh, shift gears to something else. So you talk about quarterback. Georgia kind of finally maybe defining itself at the quarterback position in a way that it never really has. You talk about offensive line, an unheralded, underrated reason why Georgia won national championships in both 2021 and 2022. When you look into that third thing that Georgia may have as setting itself up as a class by itself, differentiating itself from its competition, the other thing that I'll mention to you here is this, is that Georgia kind of inherits a mantle that a program like Alabama has had. When you've played the Crimson Tide, admittedly, we might say that we noticed this, when it gets down to sort of crunch time in a game, when it gets down to the sort of moments in which you prove yourself, Alabama clearly believed in its ability to win games, that Sometimes it almost seems like winning games is a skill. I know that's probably not technically true, but it just sort of feel, feels that way sometimes, that the ability to turn a close game into a win just sort of feels like a skill, and Alabama has had that. Well, now in comparison to the rest of college football, Georgia also has a lot more of that than almost anybody else. Georgia players have seen themselves win the big game, and in many cases they've seen themselves win those big games repeatedly. And that's something that other championship contenders, this year's version of Ohio State, this year's version of Texas, this year's version of Alabama, this year's version of the other top teams in America, they just haven't seen quite as much. And that could be maybe one of the toughest things about facing Georgia this year. Not only are they talent-rich, rare talent at quarterback, rare talent at offensive line, other positions too we could mention, but in addition to that, this may also be the most confident team in America as well because the 
institutional knowledge, the program DNA that was given birth when they won the first national championship under Kirby Smart 2021, lingered in 2022, mostly present here in the 2023 season, and ready to reemerge at the top of college football in 2024 there as well. This is a Georgia team that's different by design. Talent, commitment, dedication, all of that. And those facets to the program build a very high level of confidence. And a confident and talented Georgia team could truly prove very tough to beat here in 2024. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we get things started at 10 a.m. And by the way, looking forward to a week from today on Monday being back live again. Boy, that is so much fun to be able to do. We can't wait to do all of that with you uh new studio new design but the same time we've been coming to you at the entire time right here at 10 a.m for dog nation daily of course on the radio and app and sports radio 960 ref podcast wherever you find them including the world famous dognation.com we really just appreciate all of that what a fun time it is to be delivering dog nation daily presented by pella window and door to you each and every day and by the way speaking of our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia we've had so much cold weather throughout the uh, last couple of weeks here in the state of Georgia which means all the more reason to have those energy efficient windows and doors from Pella Window and Door of Georgia a lot of you are kind of like me sort of scared to see your heating bill after a month or two like this where it just seems like you're cranking it up on a, a regular basis well the thing that you can do to get the most mileage out of that energy bill and those energy systems you're using there in your house to keep you warm is to have those great Pella windows and doors that keep the energy on the inside of the house where it's supposed to be and that drafty cold wind and the breezes and all of that keep that on the outside where it's supposed to be there as well you've heard me talk about Pella windows and doors for a long time and now it's time for you to investigate this on your own stop by and see them experience center there in Duluth or have them come out and visit with you kind of a no pressure consultation in your own home They'll talk to you about what Pella can do for you, the entire product line, and all of that. You can also reach out online. Give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Or find them online, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Just make sure you tell them that BA from DogNation Daily said they would take good care of you because I do truly know that they will. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We're going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in a moment. And as a preview of what we're going to do with John, let me also go around the doghouse here for a moment because one of the things I like to do when we're going to have sort of a special week of shows and the kind of pre-records that we're doing here this week give us a chance at that sort of special week, one of the things I like to do is sometimes we'll ask some survey questions, you know, the same question to each guest and let them have a chance to offer their answers here and I think by the time the week is done the differences in answers and the sort of you know varying opinions just give us sort of a broader perspective about how things are going on with UGA so here are two questions that I'm going to ask every guest this week now I'm also going to ask some sort of specified questions for them we'll talk offensive line with John we're going to do some stuff with Terrence Edwards later on the week as it relates to kind of you know wide receivers and things like that you kind of get the drill on some of that but the one question that everyone's going to answer the two questions that everyone are going to answer is this I told you to begin the show and I have talked to you about the last couple of weeks a handful of issues that I see for Georgia in terms of the big unanswered questions that loom for the dogs 
if they are to win the national championship again in 2024? I'm going to give our guests each day a chance to answer that very question. And as they do that, for those of you who are watching during the live portion here, I'm hopeful that you'll interact with each other in the comment section and talk about that. Or if you want to hit me up, easiest way, probably on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily. You can also reach out to me and sort of share your thoughts on that too. What is the biggest unanswered question for Georgia here this year? Each guest has a chance to respond to that, but your opinions on that, of course, are always welcome with me. And then on the flip side of that, we've looked back on a uh, tremendous run for Georgia the last couple of years, 29 straight wins. That's the longest winning streak in SEC history. That is no small accomplishment, not by a long shot. Truly a significant feat here for these dogs. And so we'll ask each of our guests to give you their sort of most, I guess, memorable moment from that span. Now, to be fair, we had one guest mention something that was not a part of the 29-game winning streak. We had another that cited what he thought was the first win in the streak. It was actually the second. So we're playing a little fast and loose with some of these details, but that's no problem. It's a uh, fun conversation to have nonetheless. So that's coming up here this week, and uh, I hope you enjoy all of that, and I hope you get ready to enjoy John Stinchcomb coming up in just a moment too. But before we get to that, your chance is ongoing to win your opportunity to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Now, the registration period continues between now and January 31st. So you've got a little bit more time to do this here right now. And, of course, it's great for me to be on board Icon of the Seas as I'm telling you about a lure of the seas in our Dog Nation cruise. So here's how all this is going to go down. If you go to dognation.com right now, right there at the top, you can click the link and get in to register for your chance to win. And it's super simple. You just got to give us your information but also tell us your favorite memory of Brock Bowers here in a Georgia football uniform. And of all the submissions we get between now and January 31st, we're going to draw one at random. That person is going to be our winner, courtesy of Kroger, and that person, along with the guest, are going to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise there in April. Now, if you've already signed up to be a part of the Dog Nation cruise, of course, you're still eligible to win this contest. So if you do win, you'll just simply get your cruise sort of credited back to you, and you'll all be set to go there on that so it is going to be an amazing experience not only are you uh in a stateroom for two people on the cruise you get a hotel that you know the, the the night before the cruise a gas car to sort of help you get down there and some onboard credits uh, to enjoy while you're on the ship there as well it's everything that you need to make this an unforgettable experience for you and that special someone that you're taking with you if you are the lucky winner so go to dognation.com click for your chance to win courtesy of our friends at kroger register uh, tell us your favorite Brock Bowers moment, and you could have your name drawn as a big winner for our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. All right, any questions about that for right now? Hopefully not. We'll be telling you more about that in the days ahead. For now, though, speaking of questions, we've got them for the great former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb, so let's get ready to do that with him today as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, very happy to have John Stinchcomb as a part of the program. John, kind enough to record a little something with us here for this week, so we're happy to do that. Uh, a good opportunity for us to take a little bit of a snapshot of where things stand for Georgia as we move towards that 2024 season. And obviously, John, one of the, I think, the big interesting issues to look ahead to for UGA, what's going to happen along the offensive line? As you and I have talked about before, you know, the likes of a Tate Ratledge and a Xavier Trust coming back, always great to have 
you know, great veteran presences returning. Both those guys provide that. But there's also, I think, some intrigue about what this offensive line could look like in 2024. Maybe pr- primarily the fact that a great player like Cedric Von Prine Granger is moving on to the NFL. Let me begin with that part here for a moment. Uh, obviously, we know it's substantial, but how big of a deal is it to replace a center that was as successful this team as SVP has been? Yeah, it, it's usually exceptionally hard just because of what he's meant uh, on the field and off. I mean, you talk about the, the leadership that he's provided. I think Coach Smart continues to sing his praises as to you know what he meant to this team, and you know, that's not as, as easily replaced. I do think that because of Georgia's ability to recruit, now it's a button of riches as it continues to be. I thought this year might have created a little more opportunity than it than it really has. Uh, you know, said is a great player as is Amarius Mims that move on. But you look at the guys returning, and because of injury, because of really, you look at Mims and, and him going down and what happened there, and the opportunities that provided for guys like Fairchild and. Michael Morris and Monroe Freeling, then you, you say, man, there's there's a lot of pieces that are returning that are probably ready uh, to, to fill in in that starting role, and that doesn't include, you know, Wilson in the center spot. Yeah. So a couple guys that um, could, could really provide not only depth, but high-quality competition heading into spring or training camp. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned both Fairchild and Morris because while I'm obviously happy that Ratledge and – trust returning uh, of course anybody would be I also really like what I saw from Dylan Fairchild this week there were some numbers that pro football focus shared if that's your cup of tea and they make it sound like Fairchild had a very good year which obviously is in keeping with what I feel like I saw with my own eyes Morris I think at times is very impressive too it's interesting John how much depth Georgia seems to have at the guard spots for next year where you've got starter level players coming back but also the younger guys, by comparison, they seem more than capable of starting there as well. It really almost seems like an embarrassment of riches, doesn't it? It certainly is. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some transfers that occur um, in that next portal window just because there's so many guys, in my opinion, that are starter ready. And uh, maybe not at, at Georgia, but they're certainly upgrades. I, I watched a lot of film at the end of the season and – uh, there are holes that, and that are across the board in offensive line play, not only in the SEC but across the country. So uh, for Georgia to have as many guys um, that we've seen that have proven their abilities to, to play at this level, um, it certainly is a strength. You, you Interior-wise, and, and that's where I think Xavier Truss, uh, he, you know, he has some certain flexibility, probably projects as the starting right tackle with competition with Monroe yeah. and others. But you look at the interior and, you know, Tate Ratledge returns. He, he started to really play at a high level at the back end of the season. Had, had some bumps along the road early. Um, but then interior-wise, with uh, the opportunities that were provided for Fairchild and Morris, two very different distinct styles of play but both very functional Fairchild and his ability to pass protect and move and then Micah Morris might be the most physically imposing run game uh, inside player that that's on this Georgia roster so you got a couple different options that you can go with and um, it's really an area of strength heading into this next season so John one more thing on the offensive line before we move on Uh, you mentioned Monroe Freeling 
that's a guy in some form or fashion that we could probably see, whether Xavier trusts the starter at right tackle or not, seeing more from Freeling, that's probably something we could expect to see, right? And it's not something, yes, to answer your question, and it's not something that Georgia uh, hasn't done in the past. You look at the rotation that's certainly been uh, available at other position groups, uh, including offensive line. So uh, Monroe Freeling, what we saw from him was uh, it showed a lot of promise. It showed that he is, if not already ready, uh, by the start of next season, would be a guy that you can expect to be a part of that rotation. And so I think it only lends the strength uh, of, of what they can deploy on the field on a Saturday is not only a couple different guards that have already shown they're ready to start, but uh, the same might be true at that tackle position. So one of the things we're asking all of our guests for this week, I like to do this when I'm away. Sometimes we do some sort of survey-style questions. If you look ahead to George, I think you and I last week talked about some of my concerns for UGA this upcoming year. Obviously, understandable why Georgia is sort of thought to be that sort of way too early number one team in the country, but there are still obstacles standing in Georgia's way that would perhaps prevent that from uh, happening. Just off the top of the head, you know, I, I guess, you know, early concern doesn't have to be super specific necessarily, but if we were to say in your mind, the one thing that could perhaps prevent Georgia from not winning a national championship again in 2024 after doing that a couple of times over the course of the last few years. Is there an early thought that might stand in Georgia's way in your mind? Well, I, I think they have the answers to these questions already. I do think there's a reason why uh, Georgia continues to be uh, ranked as number one heading into this next season is because of the amount of talent that they continue to cultivate and develop and recruit at a very high level. But you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you know there, there were times where that defensive line probably didn't produce at the level that uh, Georgia might need it, and now you're replacing a number of the DBs in that secondary, especially at the edges. And so um, when you have those kind of transitions and – uh, they're not given answers already. Um, there, there might be some concerns. How how big are those concerns? They're not they're not huge for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. uh, this is going to be a really good football team, and I think the nation has already recognized that that Georgia continues to to recruit at a level and develop players at a level where, as you lose key pieces, they're well positioned to. Um, have the next guy step up and step in. And then the last thing, you know, there's always a next thing. We're always looking ahead, whether it be into a new season or towards the end of a current season. There's just always something coming next that it doesn't give us sometimes, I think, the proper opportunity to, to sort of reflect on what we have seen. And we've seen Georgia come out of a historic winning streak, 29 stray games, longest in the entire history of the SEC, to include two national championships in that span. We're obviously disappointed that it wasn't, you know, a go for three and 23, and we've obviously had our, you know, turn in talking about that. But what Georgia has done is amazing. And I do think that while I'm away here this week, taking some time to reflect on that feels, I think, pretty appropriate. So, you know, John, once again, just sort of off the cuff and off the top of your head here, when you look back at you know what started with a you know a win against Alabama in the 2021 national championship game and rolled all the way through the 2022 season unscathed and through most of 2023, when you think back upon these sort of 29 straight games that Georgia won, is there a memory that stands out for you more so than anything else? How will you remember it when you look back on that time for the Dogs? 
Uh, so many highlights, right? I mean, just so many great memories that those teams provided for us as dog fans. And to recognize, I think we try to do this as well as possible, that these are the good old days that yeah. Georgia um, has played at such a high level in so many big games. I think of you know even in-season games where uh, Tennessee was coming to town and there was some concern and just <laughs> to see the response yeah. and the demolition of, of, of that game in and of itself that, you know, it wasn't even, it's not a bowl. It's not a, in the college football playoffs, which Georgia's provided plenty of those. Um, there have been other games where, um, they brought a lot of excitement into all of our lives and, uh, it's a lot to be appreciative of. I, I appreciate the fact that, and I think I'll be talking about this a good bit going forward that, Coach Smart and his team found a way to recognize the importance of this Orange Bowl and and the contrast that existed between the approach Georgia took and the approach Florida State took. Both had uh, very strong reasons to feel like they belonged in the college football playoffs, and one team was able to, to get past that and show up and play and finish out on a really high note something you feel really positive about heading into this next season and honor all the guys that had this opportunity to be record setters, to say 50 wins is something that's a, it's an incredible accomplishment that we all can be proud of and uh, we're going to do this the right way. So a lot of great memories and, and something that I think it just reflects the standard at which Coach Smart and his staff have, have brought this program where you know it's it's the the new bar at which everyone else is trying to elevate their program to. John, I always love your insight on UGA. Your uh, opinion so valuable to us and kind enough to join us even during kind of an unusual schedule for us here this week. So I certainly appreciate that, and uh, we will look forward to talking to you again here in a live format again very soon there as well. So John, enjoy your week. Thank you for your time on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today. I appreciate it, B.A. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff from John Stinchcomb. Of course, always happy to have him as a part of the program and thankful for his flexibility and all of our guests this week as we kind of pre-record some shows here. And, of course, the reason why we're pre-recording, I'll bring up to you as we go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. This week, I get a chance to be on board icon of the seas get a chance to be among the first to see that ship and bring some of the good news back to you and talk talk to you in the future about how you can be a part of the largest cruise ship ever constructed boy what an exciting time it is in 2024 for royal caribbean obviously icon that i'm on debut in the summertime for utopia of the seas the brand new oasis class of ship and of course our dog nation cruise coming up in april there too and jessica slater the name to know to get in touch and involved with all of this Reach out to Jessica. Give her call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. She can tell you everything you need to know about both Utopia of the Seas, Icon of the Seas, but specifically Allure of the Seas in our Dog Nation cruise in April of 2024. Don't forget, you can check out royaldogs.com, website that Jessica's put together. That'll give you all the information you need about all of the events taking place in April of 2024 from Port Canaveral, Nassau in the Bahamas, Perfect Day Coco Cay, specially themed Dog Nation events. What a great thing that's going to be, royaldogs.com, to find out more about that. All right, so we are kind of in like way too early top 25 season, 
And so in light of that, for our SEC through, our cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here this week, we're going to do kind of a way-too-early thought about every team in the SEC. We're going to have some fun with that. And, oh, yeah, by the way, in a couple of minutes as well, we're going to debut a first-of-its-kind segment here on Dog Nation Daily. We're going to introduce you to Kaylee's Corner, and Kaylee Manzel is actually going to spend some time with us live here on the show each day this week. We wanted to do something kind of fun to sort of spice things up for our shows while I'm away, and so Kaylee will give us a chance to do that. But prior to that, as we said, cruise around the SEC, sort of a way-too-early preview of each of the SEC's teams. We're going to start with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, here is what I find to be interesting about Alabama here this year. Obviously, With Nick Saban as head coach, coming off an SEC championship, coming off a playoff berth, this is an Alabama team that was very much thought to be a national championship contender in 2024. Kalen DeBoer comes over as head coach. DeBoer clearly has won a lot of games in his short tenure as Washington coach. This was about as good a coaching hire as Alabama perhaps could have made. But it still leads me to wonder, are expectations different for the Crimson Tide this season? I would say the simplest short answer is yes. Now, that's not to say that Alabama can't be a great team. It's not to say that Alabama can't be a big threat to Georgia when Georgia becomes Kalen DeBoer's first SEC opponent in September of this upcoming season. But to me, it does not feel like the same Alabama with Nick Saban as coach with all due respect to DeBoer. And as we've said, one of the things you're going to really watch for here closely, you hire Kalen DeBoer for a specific reason. You want him and his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, to do for Alabama offensively what he was able to do there in Seattle. But some of that's been quarterback dependent, Michael Penix. Is Jalen Milrow that level of quarterback? I would suggest that we at least don't know, but I'm also a little bit skeptical. Watching how DeBoer manages the Alabama quarterback situation, does he see someone out there that's better for him than what Milrow can be, even though Milrow's listed among the Heisman favorites here right now? And whether or not DeBoer in early days as the Alabama coach actually has the guts to make a move against Milrow and perhaps attempt to upgrade the Alabama quarterback situation, that could be a story worth watching. Keeping the way-too-early previews going here for a moment, let's look at the Arkansas Razorbacks. And it seems like for like the fourth year in a row at least, the entire time that Sam Pittman's been head coach, we are once again talking about what I believe is a fairly difficult Arkansas schedule for this upcoming season. Now, on the one hand, Arkansas does avoid Alabama for the upcoming year, so I know they're probably happy about that. But this is still a team that's going to play Oklahoma State out of conference, UAB out of conference too if you care about that, at Auburn, you got to play Tennessee, that's probably a top 25 team, Texas A&M and Jerry World, that's always been a tough game. You still have LSU, you got to go to Mississippi State, that's about as winnable as anything you've got. Ole Miss remains on the schedule. That's been a tough game for Arkansas. And there's also the inclusion of Texas as well. And moving forward, this is going to be a little bit more of a common theme for Arkansas because while the schedule is going to flip-flop and you're going to move through the league more frequently, you don't have the full SEC West each and every year, the SEC now has a decidedly more Southwest feel. Oklahoma, Texas to join Texas A&M. These are the teams that geographically Arkansas sort of always considered its rivals, especially Texas, uh, first and foremost. And as the league gets better in its sort of outward western zone, that makes things a little harder for Arkansas. Arkansas has kind of had the cachet of the SEC team of the sort of that portion of the West. Then Texas A&M came in, and now you've got Texas in there as well. So 
that part of the league is going to feel a little bit more like the old Southwest Conference once would have felt, which is a league that Arkansas did pretty well in at the final stages of the league. But I do think things get tough. And as the schedule is tough this year and tough moving forward, you know, Sam Pittman's ability, to his credit, finding a way to stay employed moving into the 2024 season, but surviving a year in which Arkansas is just going to play a lot of tough games and you've got a league that's adding some of the geographic rivals that Arkansas kind of already considers into the fold here. Pretty big spotlight on Sam Pittman. I don't take great pleasure in saying that. We obviously love Pittman, but he's got a real challenge ahead of him here in 2024, and he'll do that without a couple of offensive stars. No more Rocket Sanders, no more K.J. Jefferson. Kind of a new era there in Arkansas. And Sam Pittman, once again, trying to navigate a pretty tough schedule throughout all of that. Then one more team to kind of give you here in our sort of way-too-early preview of all the teams in the SEC for the upcoming year. Boy, fascinating times run Auburn, right? What a weird year it is for Auburn. You know, you look at the final month of the season, embarrassed by New Mexico State, bad bowl performance. All of that, though, almost completely salvaged by what looked to be, for a moment, kind of a miraculous win against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Ultimately did not turn out that way, though, because of a huge defensive blunder by the Tigers at the end of that game. And it ends up kind of changing the course of history, perhaps, because Alabama wins it, wins the SEC, and all these playoff, you know, uh dominoes fell in a slightly different way but because of the way this season ends I think there's a pretty big uh talk about spotlight on Sam Pittman I think there's also a lot of pressure forming around Hugh Freeze right now as well I do now I think the Freeze is a good coach I think the Freeze actually recruiting out of high school pretty well for Auburn but this was a roster that was pretty bare barren to conclude the Brian Harson era and Auburn has needed help from the transfer portal, and oftentimes that help just hasn't been there. It's been hard to find that. And so now you've got a situation where I think that Auburn's a little bit of a total unknown moving into year two, and that's not the way that things are supposed to be. Hugh Freeze is a good coach, but he faces a really stiff challenge here right now. Got to try to figure out a way to be better. Got to try to figure out a way to win more games. And uh, I think that Freeze begins 2024 with almost as much pressure on him as perhaps any coach in the SEC, even the ones that are more on a true hot seat. Freeze is not that, but showing some improvement in year two, that is an imperative for these Auburn Tigers. We'll be watching it closely, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, when we are not live, when we try to be live as much as we possibly can, but when we are not, we do our best to make the shows fun. We try to come up here put our back into it and put a full uh put a full show together for you and sometimes that means trying some new things we've never done before that is an example of what we're about to do here right now as one of our newer dog nation colleagues you know her you love her she's the great kaylee manzel and we're going to turn the tables here on dog nation daily just for a moment instead of me bringing on guests and asking the questions and kind of doing things that way we're going to allow kaylee manzel to kind of put me under that microscope for a moment we're going to call this as call this Kaylee's Corner. We're going to give her a chance to ask me a couple of questions. And you know what? We're actually going to do this a little bit each day this week to kind of close out our shows just as a way of kind of having some fun, spicing things up, and doing things just a little bit different in light of the fact that we are not live. So Kaylee is standing by. Kaylee, welcome to the program. Obviously, you know I love having you on anytime we have a chance to. I love being a part of your shows there as well. I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. So welcome in to Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, for the first edition of Kaylee's Corner on our show. I am truly proud to be doing this with you. Oh, I am absolutely ecstatic. I 
am I the first woman to ever be on Dog Nation Daily? Do I have that honor, or was there somebody else before me? I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm assuming probably not, but uh, but who knows? Maybe that's the case. Well, either way, it's a great honor. Anytime I get the opportunity to do any on-camera stuff with you, I'm always so fortunate. So thank you for bringing me on this week. Excited to bring some burning questions to Dog Nation Daily, but... You're always the guy that's asking questions, and with all of your guests, you're having reoccurring questions this week, so I wanted to go ahead and knock those out today because you're going to be listening to everyone's answers all week, so let's start with the one that everybody's going to get. Georgia's a preseason favorite, but regardless, there's always going to be some little things we can nitpick apart. In your opinion, what are the biggest unanswered questions heading into the 2024 season. Well, we've actually talked about these a little bit around here. For me, it kind of comes down to three things. We just talked about schedules as it relates to, like, say, Arkansas for the upcoming year. I, I would say that on paper, this is the toughest schedule that Georgia's probably ever played. Now, it just so happens they're, you know, a national championship-level team, so maybe they are equal to the task. But when you're talking about road games at Ole Miss, at Alabama, at Texas, that's really tough. Neutral side game against Clemson, that's really tough. Now, the good news here is, is that most of the best teams are also playing very tough schedules, SEC and Big Ten teams I'm talking about here. So Georgia's not alone in that, but it is a tough schedule. Then beyond that, one of the things we'll also be talking about some this week, how you replace Brock Bowers, it's a lot of statistical productivity that's got to be replaced, and also how you kind of replenish this defensive line to kind of get back to the sort of aggressive play that I would say define what this team did in 2021, what this team did in 2022. Those are really my three issues. Navigating a tough schedule, replacing Brock Bowers, and really kind of getting this defensive line back to feeling like what it felt like in 2021 and 2022, something that it probably took a little bit of a dip in this past season. How does that land with you? So now let me ask you this. With Saban retiring, you bring Kalen DeBoer in. Is Alabama still – UGA's toughest SEC schedule matchup or does it become someone else I think it's Texas um I think that Texas would have been the toughest team that Georgia could have played this season I think to a certain extent that's probably still true for this upcoming year as well now I am not here to tell you well Alabama's not a tough game anymore or anything like that it's still clearly a very tough game Kalen DeBoer has actually got a long winning streak as Washington's coach against ranked opponents so you know to his credit he's no stranger to winning you know games against ranked foes something that Georgia obviously will be But for me, when you look at what Texas was this year, they did find some success with their defensive line. You know, they do have, you know, pretty high-powered offense. Isaiah Bond coming in perhaps gives them a chance to keep that so. So even if Nick Saban is Alabama's coach, I perhaps would have still said the Texas game may have been maybe the toughest game for Georgia overall. And now that there's the changeover coaching staff, I think that's probably especially true. I, I believe that the Alabama game probably takes a little bit of a step back in comparison to Texas as the toughest that Georgia will play here this season. And so then let me end on this because I will always give credit where credit is due. And for those who have been following along my journey since the beginning, I don't think there was anybody that gave you more crap than having Texas in your playoff predictions. And so I just want to go ahead and apologize. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. So it's on the record. You were right, and those are probably the hardest words I've ever had to say to you. Oh, listen, and there's nothing better than when a woman is forced to say you were right. So I, I am very, very thankful to be able to hear that today, Kaylee. So that has made my day and made my you know week of vacation shows uh, more so than anything else to have uh, you saying that. So those are very nice words to be able to hear. Don't get used to hearing them. <laughs> All right, Kaylee, uh, anything else from you here today? Nope, I'm just thankful to be here, thankful to be with you guys all week. And if, you know, I can't get a spot on the icon of the seas, this is definitely the next best thing. 
All right, Kaylee, great stuff for our first ever edition of Kaylee's Corner here on Dog Nation Daily. And I'd say that went so well, we'll probably come back and do that again tomorrow. So really fun stuff from one of our favorite members of the Dog Nation team around here, Kaylee Manziel, Kaylee's Corner, here to kind of uh, have a good time with you on Dog Nation Daily here today. And so our general thought is, is that, you know, if you're going to call it Dog Nation Daily, you got to do it every single day. So obviously we want to do that. Important to have a show every day even if I can't be here live, but also important to try to find a way to make it fun and maybe perhaps on a show like this do some things a little bit different than we normally do. And so uh, good to have Kaylee's Corner here as a part of all that. We'll come back and do that tomorrow and let her turn the tables on me and ask me a couple of questions before we kind of wrap things up uh, here on our broadcast. So a uh, good time there. And I'll, let me tell you who's not having a good time. It is those lousy stinking gators. What a disaster they are. Things get even worse in the future, but for now, it's been 1,171 days since they've beaten Georgia. That is a number that's going to keep going up and up and up, and we will celebrate it each and every day. We call that our Gator Hater Updater because we believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator Hater first and foremost. We're glad to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. See you back here again tomorrow.